Please be seated. The church here ended last week. And if it wasn't apparent from the readings and the hymns and the sermons, we spent a few weeks focused on the end times, on the end of all things, eschatology. We even have a word for it. Talk of the end of things. But that year's over now. And a new one starts today. It's Advent. And so as Christmas trees are cut down and decorated and voted on, as stores play their best Christmas music, and as Santa Claus rides into town, the church spends its time focusing on the end of things, on eschatology, again. Because there really isn't a bad time to be thinking about the coming of the Lord Jesus. That's what Advent means after all. Coming. We look to the advent of our Lord, of our King, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. We look to the day when Christ Jesus will return in all His glory and judge the living and the dead. That's what Advent is all about. This penitential season. Season a lot like Lent. Where our sorrow over our sin increasingly becomes our focus. So increase in devotion and fasting also accompany this time of year. I mean, that's why we have services on Wednesdays. More time in the Word of God. More time reflecting on our sin. And in the gracious gift of a Savior. A Savior who is coming again. Just as was prophesied. And fulfilling prophecy is kind of how Jesus lived. He kind of fulfilled prophecy. A lot of it. Depending on how you number and categorize and classify prophecies during his early or earthly life and ministry, Jesus fulfilled hundreds of messianic prophecies. Prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the King, the one God had promised to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they were barred from that place and its bounty. The seed promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The son promised to David. The prophets saw so much. So much they were given concerning the Messiah. From his birth to his death that he would be born a virgin, that he would be a descendant of David, even born in the city of David, that he would be Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, dwelling with us here on earth, that he would come out of Egypt, that he would be from Nazareth, even where he would, he would travel through his ministry was pro prophesied, and that's just mentioning some of the specific prophecies that Matthew mentions throughout his gospel. And of course, we have the prophecy fulfilled in our gospel text today. The words of Zechariah concerning the coming of the rightful king, the son of David, into Jerusalem as the Messiah in humility. It's, uh, it's really easy to get the wrong idea 
about prophecy. As if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are looking over a map, trying to find out what they need to do and when. As if Jesus has a list, and he's checking it twice, and he's trying to find out if he's doing the right things yet or not. As if Jesus has no agency of his own. As if he is just following orders that were given to him like some kind of lifeless robot. Can you imagine that? Jesus doing things, not because that's who he actually is, but because he was told he has to do it and do it right. Otherwise, we're all doomed. Doomed because of the sin that taints us. That pollutes everything we say and do. Even as we who are cleansed in the blood of the Lamb and made white are still visited upon by our own Lamb. He sticks to us. No matter how many times we're washed, we can't seem to be free of him. <coughs> Luther used to say he was drowned in the waters of holy baptism, but he's a really good swimmer. And all the while, as the old Adam ta taints us, Satan taunts us, we have really sinned. Have we really done enough? Are we actually penitent? Are we really forgiven? And our hearts are filled with dread and guilt. We scramble and we worry, compiling our own lists of sins and making a checklist of repentance, turning our life into this work in order to receive forgiveness. It has to be about how pious I am. We must fulfill it. But no matter how much we do, or how many church services we go to, Satan still finds a way, and the world still entices us, and our sinful flesh rules over us. And the worry over the perils of our sin intensifies. But you know what? Jesus isn't worried over your sin. He isn't worried over the eternal damnation that you deserve. He also isn't worried about making sure that he's fulfilling every last prophecy exactly how it should be fulfilled. Because Jesus is just being himself. It's always been that way. Even before the foundation of the world and until the day that he returns in glory, God is God. Everything he does, he does because that's just who he is. The compassionate creator who loves his creation. The merciful king who loves you. So great is his love that he gave a glimpse of it to his servants. He showed it to Isaiah who has given visions of this suffering servant king who would endure the punishment and pains of his people in their place. God showed his love to Zechariah, who was given the vision of a king who came to rule over his people in service and in humility. 
See, the prophets, they weren't just promised these things. They saw them unfold. So no, Jesus didn't send his disciples to fetch the donkey so that he was fulfilling a prophecy given to Zechariah. Zechariah was just seeing Jesus coming into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. The prophets saw God being who he is. They saw him born. They saw him healing and teaching. They saw him rejected and beaten. They saw him suffering and dead. And they saw him breaking forth from the tomb on that, as the first fruits of the resurrection on that third day. And so all the promises that he gave to all the prophets, all the words that he gave to the apostles, he isn't struggling to figure them out, to find out how to fulfill them. He is, doesn't even have to try. Because what he has given them is who he is. And what he does. It's not a hope. It's reality. It's what will be. He is Emmanuel. God with us to the very end of the age. He comes to us here and now just as he said he would through his servants, humbly, in ordinary means, through the mouth of his servant, in water, on a paten and in a chalice. This is God come to us. He's a God who comes to his people to deliver them from their sin and grant them forgiveness and eternal salvation to rescue them from death. We live in that forgiveness, in that deliverance, that salvation every day of our lives. He richly provides it day after day in word, in sacrament, just by being who he is. The one who loves us. The one who cares for us. The one who isn't struggling to determine if or when he's coming back. He will come again. His second advent. The day that we're looking toward. The day we focus on so many days of our lives. It's coming. He is coming. There's no doubt about it. Nothing's going to throw a wrench in his plans. Come what may, sickness, war, persecution, natural disaster, God's not worried about working around it. He doesn't have to adapt his plan, because he is coming. And we will joyfully and eagerly look for that day in repentance and faith. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand.